The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Live statewide on the Ref Radio Sports Network, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Hit the guys up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439 or sound off on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Inbounds to do top of the key for a three, and it's airballed. I think Ana Yunusa may have gotten a piece of it. It goes out of bounds. The buzzer sounds, and Oklahoma has beaten Iowa State 82-79, to handing the Cyclones their first conference loss of the year. Five seconds. Here's Kelsher. Gabe with a three. Yes! Count it for Gabe! Kelsher with 1.3 seconds to go! Shotgun for Dobbs. He drops. It's a blitz. An all-out blitz. They hit him as he likes to go. The ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen has run it back. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Terrible. Buffalo Terrible. on the board with the first play from scrimmage. Goff takes the snap, back, looks, throws, caught. First down, Detroit Lions. DJ Chark down inside the 10-yard line. This game is over. Yes. It is over. What kind of questions that, Phil? Good morning. Uh, good to see everybody. Yes, it is. Hour two, T-Row in the morning show. Toby and TJ with you. This game is over. Yes. It is over. And we still got two hours left. Headed to Lawrence today. Sooners get a road win Saturday in Lubbock in OT. Going to try to uh, break the, what are we at? I think we're knocking on the door of 30 years now since they've won in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Was it 1993? I can look this up. Uh, I think it was the year we were born. 73 is what it feels like. So. No, 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 no. It was the <laughs> it was the Terry Evans team, and uh, I believe it was 93. We've had some close calls, including last year, some opportunities to win up there, but haven't been able to get it done. They had the triple overtime game with Buddy and the boys. 1993, OU won in Lawrence, 80 to 77. That's the last time they got it done. So hmm. we'll see if they can uh, stop that streak. They'll be a big underdog tomorrow night, eight o'clock tip in uh, Lawrence. We'll it's, talk it's, more it's, about it's that. It's interesting game. your travel. Like it's throwing me off a little bit. I got so used to Lon and how you, uh, how he handled things. It's it's interesting how every coach is different and how they like to travel or the way they set things up for travel or the time of day they like to travel. It's it's interesting that it's just not a consensus that everybody just. I think it is. I think 
Lon was the oddball. Lon was the oddball. Yeah, yeah, he is. No, nobody that I know travels day of. It's too risky. Uh, that's their opinion anyway. Like, what happens if? Uh, what happens Mechanical if? What happens weather, to yeah. the OU football team when they were going to K State happens? Right. A few years back, your you, you plane breaks on you, or you got weather, or whatever. Then you got to kind of drop. You get then what you got to do. I mean, their backup plan was always well. We can always jump in a bus in the Big Twelve and get where we need to get because they would fly the day before to Iowa State and West Virginia, but everywhere else they would say, "Well, it's five hours anywhere in this league, so if need be, we can jump in a bus and get there." But. Even if you do that, then you're rolling in on a bus a couple hours before tip, and you can't be, you know. So that's the fear. That's the fear of everyone is. you got to travel the day before in case you have some sort of travel problems. Plus, I want my team to get some shots up in the gym they're going to be in, all that kind of stuff. So you're right. After 10 years of midweek yeah, day travel. I just got travel, so used to that with you in basketball and how it mm-hmm. operated that it, it seems weird to me now when you're saying, like the Lubbock thing seemed weird to me last week when you mentioned it. So It is odd, but you know what it does allow for more of? Uh, me talking to my hotel rooms. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, I got double the hotel rooms now. So We will be in Lawrence uh, tonight for a game tomorrow let's talk about let's let's go we got to talk some sports tj you got to stop taking the show down weird paths and stuff we got to talk some sports here um saturday night tell me what you thought OU wins 68 63 in overtime uh uh, tell me what i should think about this game um well you finally close out a game so that was good i mean you did allow it to get to overtime it looked like OU was going to put that thing away and run away with it when they went on that stretch there where they hit, you know, three threes uh, and and uh, had another score in there, went up 10 or 11, whatever it was, with 13. 10 minutes left. Was that what it was, 13? Yeah. Looking great, and then they, they kind of, I don't know, uh, credit Tech. Tech. Davion Harmon got him, man. He, he started going nuts. He was unstoppable there for that stretch. They ramped up their defense, and it was – Really strong finish for them, and I thought, man, OU's going to lose this thing again right at the end of the game on the road, and they should have had this one. So credit them. They made the plays at the end, got to overtime, and then um, and did the things you had to do at the end of the game that we've been kind of waiting for to win a game. So uh, Jalen Hill, excellent in that stretch where um, he was scoring a lot of points there for OU, and then uh, Los and what he did. Uh, all night long, really. When you needed a bucket, man, he went and got it for you on uh, Saturday night. So that was really good to see. And, and a game where Sherfield again was kind of struggling, uh, couldn't find a shot, and it was it was struggling in a different way than Iowa State. Iowa State locked him down, put two dudes on him, didn't let him breathe. Uh, they played great defense on him with Tech and stuff, but it was some of it was he just couldn't find a shot. So um, I thought those two guys, Hill and uh, Lowe's played great down the stretch and yeah. obviously closed out the game. So it, it was great to see that they, they overcame a lot of that and even going to overtime when they had all the momentum there being at home and everything and that crowd that uh, they were able to pull it off. So it was a yeah. good, good win, man. It was great well, when they uh, – a must-need, uh, a, a must-get must win. So uh, they needed that one. Yeah, and, and Tech down a couple of starters 
mm-hmm. presented them the opportunity, and you're like, well, they, but you got to go take it, you know? Right. And right. and they took it. There's going to be some of these throughout conference play where their best player is out, and you got to take advantage of that. Uh, there's going to be nights probably when you're down a guy or your guy gets in foul trouble or whatever, like Sherfield did against Iowa State, and the other teams got a chance to to steal one or certainly. Here's what's going on. So teams have learned through the first half of the season that Grant Sherfield's the best player on this team. And it started back with Villanova, maybe even a little, maybe even before that, but certainly with Villanova. We're face-guarding him, and we're double-teaming him every time he touches it, and somebody else is going to have to beat us. Right. And he is good enough that there have still been games, like Florida, where he's gotten his. But Oklahoma is going to have to prove that they got other guys that can hurt you. And that is what made Saturday night so good. Scherf had... Three threes, 11 points. He was better. He wasn't electric, but he, he was better than he was against Iowa State. But they were still hounding him everywhere he went, double-teaming him every time he got the ball, and saying, all right, we're going to play everybody else man up or shuffle all our defense over to Sherfield. Let's see if you can beat us with your other guys. And Milo Shuzan was able to take advantage of him, and he has the green light. You go, man. Whatever you got to do. Their ball movement was great in that stretch where they took the lead. Yuzan, how about the free throws, man? Yeah. At the end. He's six for seven all year at the line. Uh, staring into that student section. Mm-hmm. Had to hit both, and he did. Jalen Hill's just an absolute warrior. So, I don't know. I thought it was very interesting, too, the lineup that they went with to finish the game in an overtime. Well, part of that they had to, Tanner. Mm-hmm. One of my questions for you today with Tanner was going to be, Yes, go ahead. does his minutes get limited in league play? Because I don't know if he's athletic enough to stay on the floor in Big 12 play. Um, like he, You see the energy that he brings, that, that dunk, the putbacks that he had. He was key in a couple of situations Saturday night, so you've got to have him. But man, he's gonna he does and he's going to have difficulty staying on the floor, I think. He just can't keep up with certain guys. So it's really tough for me because he's a great player. I want him on the floor. I just don't know if you can afford to have him on the floor at times. I think the conundrum with Tanner I mean, he still had seven points, ten rebounds. He was the leading rebounder in the game. Yeah, like I said, and a couple a of those shot. Key plays for him, yeah. In 23 minutes, something like that, right? Limited minutes because of the foul trouble. He still had significant stats for you. He has a hard time. He's not the quickest guy in the world. So he's got a hard time with, uh, you know, some quicker bigs or if he gets switched off onto somebody, um, then that's an issue for him. However, the opposite is also true, has to be also true, in that his ability to step out and hit threes is a problem for the opponent. And it creates driving lanes for Sherfield, Yuzan, 
and the guards. That's true. Uh, that does not exist with Sam Godwin. Now, you can go small lineup like they did the other night and create that. You could play Jalen Hill at the five and create that, where you now you have to come out and respect Jalen, and that opens the floor, and that's why Los can get to the rim and all that kind of stuff. But then you're sacrificing size if you do that. So I think Tanner is necessary. Is he a perfect basketball player? No. But he's very good. What they need from Tanner is to to start having those games again where he hits three or four threes a game. He hadn't had very many of those this year. Uh there's teams aren't as scared of him. Remember, there's a one game where he went 0 for 10 from three-point range. They were letting him shoot it. He was wide open, and he was missing him. When he has been at his best, you know, the 35-point game against Kansas in the NCAA tournament and the big games he's had at OU, it, it, he played really well against Kansas last year twice in both gyms, if I remember right. It's when he's able to step out, hit shots, from the outside, and then because of that, defenses get expanded. So I think it's a little more nuanced than he's not athletic enough to be on the floor. There is a deficiency there that they have to help him with. If if he's got a bad matchup, they got to help with a double. Mm-hmm. But he also presents with most teams a mismatch on the other end of the court as well. That is valuable to them. So, yes and no. I think you can protect him because Godwin's giving you good stuff. The small lineup worked the other night. There's other ways that you can be effective. So maybe you can get him some more rest here and there. Maybe you can try to protect him from foul trouble a little more. Maybe you don't need him out there for 35 minutes. But I don't say, well, I'd put Tanner Groves on the bench. He's not giving you anything. Yeah, I'm not That's saying just that not either, true. I know, I know there's positive things with him, so I'm not saying that. I'm just wondering if we see his minutes uh, come down some in league play. Now, some of that maybe. may be to his, to his own <laughs> with his foul trouble he gets into. but No, I think if you do, it'll be because of improved or, or trusting Godwin more and trusting the small lineup more. It won't be because of anything Tanner has done because Tanner it wasn't athletic the moment he showed up on campus and he isn't now. Like, that's not new news, no. you know? Right, right. So, uh, I, I, he played he played well Saturday. He just couldn't stay on the floor because, I don't know, they, they just see him and say foul. <laughs> now, some of it is like sometimes there's there's plays certainly where he doesn't move his feet quick enough and he fouls somebody. But I I watched a sequence last night, watching the game back, where Tanner had the ball up at the top, spins his way into the lanes, getting pinballed around everywhere. He's got three guys around him. He throws up a left-handed shot and missed it and gets knocked to the floor. Nothing. They come back to the other end, and Kevin O'Banner like leans into him and they call a foul on Tanner. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like that's, there's something about the way he looks 
that makes officials go, well, that's got to be a foul. Right, right. No, there is some of that with him. There is definitely some of that. Um, there have been guys like that through the years, not just yeah, on OU's team, yeah. on other teams, where when they walk onto the floor, you go, well, that guy's about to foul somebody. <laughs> Watching him, watching him over the last couple of weeks, I have sat there many times thinking, man, if this was the 90s, he would be putting up 25 and, and 14 a night just with how the game used to be played. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, he still can on certain nights, and we've seen that a, a couple of times out of him, but that would be on a regular basis, I think, if this was the 90s or early 2000s. So here are uh, – I'm looking at the rebound leaders. I know we got to get to a break. I'm looking at the rebound leaders in the Big 12, and maybe this isn't. Maybe I should look at scoring. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. I want to come up with the other bigs in the league. So Musa Cisse at OSU, a really big dude who there he's gonna need help with in the post. But Cisse's got to come out and guard him too. So I don't mind that matchup with with. Uh, I think Tanner can win that matchup with Musa Cisse. We didn't see Daniel Bacho at Texas Tech. Uh, the other night, he'd fall into that same category. Doesn't strike me as... Uh, Eddie Lampkin at TCU. He's going to be tough. Eddie Lampkin, big dude, runs on his the toes of his feet. Oh, he's always fired that up. That guy. Tough matchup. Um, I mean, you know, somebody said we need a big. Like, doesn't... Almost everybody does in the world, right? Kansas... Watch tomorrow night. Kansas goes small almost all the time. Flo Thamba at Baylor, that's their big. Uh, Tanner should dominate that matchup with him. He's not great. Um, there's just not a lot of big bigs. So, I don't know. I, I do think they found something with that small lineup, though. I do think that no, it worked it's great. really small with Jalen at the five, but he's a warrior down there, and it really presents a problem for opponents when you've got guys that can shoot threes all over the place. So we'll see if they try some of that more tomorrow. 720, we'll be back. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. WTJ back with you. T-Row in the morning show. Powered every day by Riverwind. They've got a tremendous hotel over there, so if you're going uh, for the weekend, maybe want to do a little playing, have a concert coming up at the Showplace Theater, want to check out the buffet, whatever it may be, great hotel for walking in and introducing yourself. You look great today. Look at this place. (laughs) Big thanks to Riverwind. You, you, you. (laughs) Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. I can't wait for this. We we buy bags of iceberg lettuce. I like to add pepperoni slices, shredded cheddar cheese, sliced jalapeno, and bacon bits, and then Thousand Island dressing. That's my go-to roughage. It's delicious. Love Thousand Island. (laughs) Thousand Island and pepperoni would be an interesting combination, though. I'm having a hard time imagining that. Uh, They say anything about cutting it up? Nope, nothing about cutting Mm. it up. Nope. Uh, My husband does the same thing with his salad. It drives me crazy. Face palm emoji. Must be Kevin's wife. <laughs> Thank you, Ayana. Thanks for texting. Um, this just says, Zang! I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know. 
Subway salads are the best because they are chopped. Never had a salad at Subway? I've never had a salad at Subway, but I've had a chopped salad before, and it drives me crazy because I can't then get the salad onto my fork. Is it? It's the shredded lettuce that would go in your sandwich, right? They make that into a salad? Yes, yes. Okay. Apparently so. I don't think I've had that. I have seen women cut their salads, not guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, From Sooner Celtic, Toby, cut up your salad. Think about Subway. So there's a lot of Subway fans out here with their chopped up salad. Who eats a Subway anymore? Is is Subway known for having good salads? I don't know that Subway is known for having anything good. Okay. Not since about, I don't know, 2004? I'll tell you who has a good salad is the Charlestons. Mm, That's a good salad there. You know who has a simple salad that you try to figure out how it's so good because all it is is lettuce and their dressing is babes. Um, oh, down in Sanger? Down, down in Sanger or the yeah. other locations. Yeah, you get it, and it's just a bowl of lettuce, and you're like, this can't be any good. And then you put that dressing on it, like, man, this is the greatest salad I've ever had. But definitely the, the pieces are way too big for Kevin Henry. He would be cutting them up. He's choking on those things. Uh, Pastor Andy and B.A., okay, seriously, if in the next segment you tell us that you walked into your hotel room, began addressing it by name, and saw Henry cutting up his salad while watching TJ change his oil on FaceTime, seriously, I will provide free pastoral counseling. In fact, I may pay both of you to let me do the counseling. Uh, come on, you love us for this. We're beyond, we're beyond help anyway, so. Um... If you stop the streak, you have to break the rules and you have to play the in- game-ending clip. What's that about? If you if they stop the streak, you have to break the rules and you have to play your game-ending oh, clip. He's saying if we beat Kansas. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I gotta. We gotta play the final call on the show gotcha. the next morning. I gotcha. We, we gotta be uh, rebels. If we were to do that, we would never in advance admit we're going to do that. So we shall see. Uh, good morning. Quick question, Toby. Do you think some of the guys we're getting in the portal are going to help us out immediately? Some of the guys we're looking at have never played great competition. Texas State linemen, who did they play? Okay. Uh, so here's who they have landed in the portal, including a guy yesterday. Austin Stogner, yes, I think he'll help immediately. Mm-hmm. We know Stog. He's been in the SEC. Dasan McCullough, yes, I think he'll help immediately. Right away. Linebacker from Indiana. He's played against very good competition. I think he'll be a starter. Uh, kicker, Luke Elzinga, sure. I think probably he'll Maybe win that's what the job Zang was. It was supposed to be Zing. Defensive lineman, Trace Ford, yes, I think he'll help right away. Assuming he's healthy, uh, we know what Trace Ford is. He's played the Big 12, difference maker. Defensive back Reggie Pearson, Texas Tech. Yes, I think he's got a chance to help right away. He's played in the Big 12, hard hitter. Going to be crowded back there in the defensive backfield, so it's a matter of him winning playing time, but not whether he's ready to play at this level. Defensive tackle Jacob Lacey, Notre Dame. Yes, he could play right away. He's been at Notre Dame. He's been playing top competition. Offensive lineman Caleb Schaefer from Miami of Ohio, don't know. Uh, that would be a 
the Mac, a little lesser competition. Have no idea how good of a lineman he is. Somebody else will have to give you an opinion on him. Defensive end Rondell Bothroyd is who they got yesterday from Wake Forest. That's a well, I'm mouthful. told this is a big pickup. Um, he, had, he had a very nice season. Yes, I think he could help him right away. He's been in the ACC. Wake Forest is a very good program now. So the Texas State kid, I don't think they've gotten yet, have they? Unless that happened. I think they're in on him, but I don't know that they've gotten him. Maybe they have, but he's not on the list here that I've got. So the only guy on this list that has played at a non-Power 5 level, other than the kicker, is Caleb Schaefer, the offensive lineman from Miami of Ohio. The other guys are SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Big 12, Notre Dame, which is ACC, I guess, and ACC. Yeah, I think all, all of those guys can help him right away. But somebody else will have to – Gabe Eichert will have to give you an opinion on Caleb Schaefer. Agree? Disagree? Want to add to anything there? Yeah, well, no, I think you're right. I think every everybody you've heard them get out of the portal, virtually everyone, as soon as they've – been announced said this is a guy that can help right away and and I think that's all been calculated so uh, I think you answered that all correctly that yeah I think the majority of these guys are expected to and will uh, come in and make an immediate impact or at least hope they hope they will okay what's next uh let's see here Jersey Mike's sandwich in a tub best salad ever huh I love Jersey Mike's. I don't know that I've ever had a sandwich in a tub. Is that something? Is that on their menu? Give me a sandwich in a tub? I don't think I've gotten a. Let me think about this. I don't think I've gotten a salad from a sandwich shop. I know that they do that at those places. Like yeah, Subway I never have. And Jersey Mike's. And, you know, I, I, I know that that is an offering. But if I'm going to that place, I'm going there because I want their sandwich usually. So that's a me problem. Look at me, okay? <laughs> I understand I need to mix in some more salads. And just Maybe I'll start doing that, and I can get a good opinion. Hopefully the sales Sandwich team was in a not tub. working with this company. But uh, Subway salads stink. I think after Ted and his hatred for Subway, I, think, I don't think there's any chance we've been working with them. So I think we're all right. Break time, 733. Porter Moser's postgame thoughts after a big win for him Saturday night in Lubbock. That's coming up next. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Sooners win on Saturday night in Lubbock in overtime. Milo Shuzan, one of the big reasons. Career-high 18 points for him. Porter Moser addressed the media after the game. Coach uh, Milos Uzan uh, is not a starter for you, and I think coming into this game he's playing like 18, 19 minutes a game, <clears throat> but he was the best player on the court tonight. Could you just talk about uh, you know, what he brings? Yeah, he's, he's actually been starting probably the last eight games for us. He didn't start the season off starting, but he's probably, I don't know, seven or eight in a row he started for us, and his confidence is just growing. Um, he's... Uh, you know he's he's a bigger he's a bigger guard and he really helps me. But he I thought he was really good tonight for him and a freshman to step up in that environment to make those two shots. And the funny thing is he was he was more probably thinking about he was I don't know what he just said, but I know he missed the layup, but he probably wanted the n one. Um, but for him to step up and make those two free throws, but he brings. You know, he brings a guy that can go downhill, create for others. He's a long defender. Um, he can knock down a shot. 
Um, he's not afraid to go downhill to finish, and he's not afraid to – he's a phenomenal skip passer, and we were really trying to skip it on him. Um, so he brings a lot to us, and, you know, I think he's really good, and he's doing, doing – and I love how he, they bounce back. You know, we had two heartbreaking close losses. And uh, to be resilient in this atmosphere, they did a great job coming back from down 10 to, to get into overtime. And so we needed that to fight through that adversity. And uh, coming into this game, I believe you were something like number 14 nationally in defending the three-point line. <clears throat> Obviously an outstanding job tonight. Uh, is that – would you say that's the centerpiece of your defensive philosophy is guarding the three-point line? I don't know if it's a centerpiece. I just think it's it's a byproduct of it. Like we're just really trying to have high hands and, and contest every three. Um, we're trying to really get out underneath the shooters. Um, and uh, I think it's a byproduct of it, but – uh, I thought we did a good job of, of contesting threes. I think that's the one thing that we're doing all year. Is uh, and you know what? Ironically, we we let a bunch open last game, and we talked about it. You know, I thought we we let Iowa State get probably four or five uncontested ones, which wasn't like us, and we addressed it the last two days. And I thought we were trying to really make them work for their threes tonight. And on the other end, uh, you got some open threes yourself, particularly in the second half. <clears throat> Um, could you talk about what you're doing uh, schematically to, to create those open threes? Well, I just think, you know, Texas Tech is, I mean, you guys all know, you see them. He's, they're unbelievable defensively. They're so physical. And, you know, I think this year we got, we got a couple more guys that can go downhill. Um, you know, I think Bijan Cortez can go downhill. Um, and I thought those two started. I thought Jalen Hill got downhill. I just think when teams rotate, you just you can't get bottled up. They, they do such a good job of bottling you up. And they did early. We had, I think, three turnovers before the first money of timeout. I think we settled into it. And uh, I think the other thing is, is to move the ball. Um, you got the, we're trying to have the ball move faster than the rotations, and that's not easy. The rotations go so fast, but you got to try to have the ball move a little faster. When you hold it and let it stick and overpound it, they've already recovered. They're one of the best teams at recovering out of a scramble that we'll play. Coach, uh, in that last 10 seconds of the game when you're in your huddle, you guys know a three-pointer's probably coming. What is the message to the guys knowing already how well you have defended the three in this game? It's, it's, a, it's a tricky dynamic because if the foul right away with 10 seconds, that's too long. That's a too long a time. So we were waiting, and um, we were really trying to switch everything. We said really stay down on shot fakes. We, didn't, we fouled a three-point shooter. You saw the TCU game today. That, uh, we just were trying to stay down and not foul a three-point shooter if it happened in the first three or four seconds. And then as the went down to 6-5-4, we were if, – if the guy was driven on, we were thinking we were going to – if they felt it to foul, but we didn't want to foul in the act of shooting at that point. You know, that philosophy of fouling when you're three – it's easy when it's a dead ball and it's like six or under. It's easy. You get it in one time you foul. But when there's like 18 seconds or 10, it's tricky because you foul too early. They got time to make two, get it in, foul, and there still could be eight or nine seconds for them to come down if you miss your free throws. So it's always tricky um, when it's a, a live ball when it's more time. But um, I thought our guys did a really good ident- uh, defending it. I think they switched to denied. I think they were trying to get to the corner. Um, one of the things we, were try- we always try to do is defend the three by reaching for the lights instead of going like this. That was a big Rick Majerus thing of contesting, you know, reaching with your hand up. And uh, I just I thought they ran a nice action too. I mean, and um, I thought it was a, a really intense 10 seconds. And uh, towards the end of that second half too, you guys had that stretch where it seemed like every basket Tech was making, you guys would go down, make a three, or get a stop in the next one. How do you guys make sure that you're controlling tempo and maintaining that tempo when things get tight like that? It's, it's. Um, I thought we did it good at times, and then but they, 
they just kept on coming. And um, I thought we answered the crowd a handful of times, and then they just they, they got it to overtime. Um, and this, this crowd is, is phenomenal. It's one of the best in the country. Um, but I thought there was times that we answered the bell, which was really good. You know, it, it was encouraging for us. Um, I would not have liked it to get to the overtime, having a 10-point lead. But um, it did, and I thought – I was really like how our guys in the huddle coming out, they, were, they weren't discouraged that, they, that, that it was going into overtime. It was all about we got to guard. we got to guard them. All right, so I think the question for me today, Tej, is how good is this Oklahoma basketball team? They're 1-2 and two in Big 12. Oh, here's the metrics. 10-5 and five now on the year, 1-2 and two in the Big 12. 48 this morning in the net. You got to be able to look deeper than um, the the win loss record in the Big 12. Because what if Milo Shuzan makes that three against Texas? What if Caleb Grill misses that shot against OU? They're sitting three and O right now. What if Milo Shuzan goes one for two at the line the other night? They're 0-3 right now. I mean, that's how close, literally three plays, three shots are the difference between 3-0 and 0-3 so far. So you kind of got to dig deeper than that. It's like X's and O's wise, personnel wise, how good are they? I I do think there are some things to really like about this team. He's mentioned a couple right there. They are better equipped to drive the ball, get downhill, and create open shots for themselves than they have been the last few years because they've got three guys that are excellent ball handlers, and they start the carousel. Every time you see Los or Bijan or Sherfield. Put the ball, get around his man, get into the paint, everybody collapses, and then, bam, kick it out, swing it, swing it, swing it, open three, bam. They are top, well, at least going into the other night, I don't know what they are in right now, top 15 in the country in three-point percentage, top 15 in the country in field goal percentage. They do have some droughts here and there. I'm not going to say they're a great offensive team, but they are pretty good, and they shoot the ball really well. And a big, big part of that is because they give themselves open looks against even elite defenses like Iowa State and Tech. They get open looks for themselves because they've got ball handlers who can get into the heart of your defense, collapse it, and kick. And then they're good at that one extra, one extra, one extra, find the next guy, who's the open guy, bam, there's a three in the corner. They have some deficiencies. Uh athleticism-wise on the defensive end. That's what I was just about to say when you were asking all this, was their their athletic ability on the defensive end. And I think if they had one more guy off the bench, which they've pretty much gone to an eight-man rotation here uh, with the three guys off the bench with uh, CJ, Bijan Cortez, and, and, and Godwin, I think they miss one athletic dude off that bench. Yeah, well, it ain't happening. It ain't ha- it's not I happening. Mean, I know. That's what I'm saying. If, I think if, if to, the to really take come them on to that for next level, level, maybe that's your answer. To, to take them to that next level, that's what they're missing there. Um, 
But you're right, it's on that other end, that defensive end, that sometimes, we, we talked about Tanner earlier, but Jacob falls in the same category where he just can't keep up with guys sometimes, and you just don't have that athletic ability on that side of the ball. Um, but other than that, this is a good basketball team. Yeah. It is. No, they are good. They're not great, but they're good. Right. They're and a team that, outside of this league, if they make the tournament, depending on their draw, they're going to cause serious problems for people. Mm-hmm. So, they play hard. They're coached hard, and like, who out there are are you wondering if he's given a hundred percent? You know, like they play hard. Um, that is not always going to be enough every night in this league. Three games have come down to the final possession. Th- three and three have come down to the final possession. In the case of Saturday night overtime. So it's going to be about almost every night, play your guts out for 39 and a half minutes, and then somebody's got to be a hero. That's just, that's almost every game is that way. Gabe Kalsher did it for Iowa State uh, on Saturday, hitting the big three to beat TCU. The... Kansas State-Baylor game went to overtime. The Oklahoma-Texas Tech game went to overtime. So not all of them, but almost all of them are. By the way, how about all five road teams win Saturday in the Big 12? And so far, 10 of the 15 games have been won by the road team. That is weird. What's going on? I don't know. That, that's extremely weird. Yeah, because it... it that game was tight for a while with Oklahoma State, Texas, but then Texas Texas won by a comfortable margin. But that game was tight for a good portion of that game on the road. So Kansas handled West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Texas handled Oklahoma State, but the other three went right to the wire. Um, I don't know, man. That's oh, we talk about home crowds, and they do. I, I, there are some great home court advantages in this league. Ten of the fifteen games have been won so far by the road team. 749. We'll be back. It may be 2023, but that doesn't change things around here. At The Ref, we are still dedicated to bringing you the best Sooner coverage in the state and beyond. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Sports Network. Toby and TJ back with you. T-Row in the morning show. Couple of texts here on the text line, kind of the same direction, and you hit on him, and that's what the texters are asking. Where's Bamasil, and how about Joe B? How do we get him going? He did not make the trip uh, due to a family matter. Uh, I did not pry. I do not know what that is, and whether that will keep him out for more than one game. But um, I think, you know, based on. What I've seen out of Joe and, you know, and watching practices and talking to coaches and stuff. I think the biggest issue for him is on the defensive end still. I think that he does uh, some good things on the other end of the court. He does bring some athleticism. He runs the floor well. He hasn't shot the three as well as they hoped he would coming into the year so far. Um, But the other end... He's just never been asked to defend at the level that 
Porter Moser asks you to defend. And so he's been a deficiency so far defensively when he's been out there. Now, that can be coached up, right? I mean, that's you can get better defensively. But we are into Big 12 play now. And so it's about winning games. And I think he, they're, they're, they have not I – don't, I don't – nobody's told me this. I'm just saying this. I don't think they trust him yet defensively to be out there and not be um, a hindrance. That's my assessment of why he hasn't played more. It's one of those things that you go back to that transfer portal question earlier about football and who's going to make the immediate impact. Like the entire offseason going into the season, like that was a guy that you thought, yeah. man, look who we got. Right. Look what he did right. at George Washington. He's going to be a major factor. And for whatever reason, just hasn't worked out. But so. disappointing so yeah. far. I don't want to, you know, I would, I, we would probably say the exact same thing about Marvin Johnson a year ago right now. That's true. And Marvin yeah. Johnson had the light bulb go on. I think we were in Morgantown, West Virginia. And, and then he, he had like two or three games where he was like Haley's Comet. And then he got hurt against Auburn. Uh, so I, I reserve the right for the light bulb to go on or, and he's got more years. I don't know. Joe may say this didn't work out. I'm going to go play somewhere else. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bust so far. It hasn't worked out and it's been disappointing, but, uh, it is a, it is an interesting tool in the toolbox over there. But right, but the reason he wasn't he didn't play the last game is because he was away from the team due to a family matter, and I don't know what that is. We'll take a break. Back after this Monday edition, T Row in the morning show.